Good morning, Greater Alton. How's everybody doing today? Great. Glad to hear it. Enjoying the lovely weather of the holiday weekend? Good. Good. Glad to hear that too. Okay. Tim has been in the middle of a series called Monday Morning Faith. And I have really enjoyed the series. I just enjoy the concept of it as well as the specifics of what he's had to say because I believe it's just such a huge need among anyone who claims to follow Jesus. I mean, it is in America today, it is so easy to associate being a Christian or being a follower of Jesus with simply going to church. And following Jesus is more than going to church. Okay? Go, go, following Jesus is designed to be a lifestyle. It's designed to show up in every area of our lives. And primarily, guys, it's, it's the, the normal way of thinking, I guess I can say this, is that our faith impacts whether or not we go to church and whether or not we're involved in what goes on at the church, specifically the ministries. And a lot of times there is a disconnect between what we call our faith and what goes on in the rest of our lives. And that's what Tim's been talking about when he talks about Monday morning faith. And he's talking about letting our faith impact us on the job. Now, he let me pick my own topic today, and as you'll notice on there, I took the topic, schooled at work. School's just started, so I just thought I'd kind of play off that a little bit. But I've got a question mark there. Because some of how many of you associate going to work with being schooled? You do, because you're in school, right? (laughs) Guys, it's something we don't necessarily do. We don't look at it quite that same way. I love, uh, I'm not a huge fan of everything that goes on on Facebook, but uh, a couple years ago there was a thing at graduation time when all the graduation announcements and pictures were being posted, and somebody posted a picture that says, Congratulations, high school graduate. The easiest part of your life is over. I like that. I mean, why is the easiest part of your life is over? Why? Because learning hasn't stopped. And now not only did you graduate, now you get to go to work and learn too. And guys, a lot of times we don't think that way. We don't think about how our faith affects us at work. And literally what I'm going to have to say today can just as easily be applied to any other area of your life. It can be applied to your marriage. It can be applied to if you're a student. It can be applied to your hobbies, to your parenting, to being a child. You can apply it to any of these things, and I'm praying I can stay focused just on work today, because that's what we're talking about. But anyway, guys, there's two passages we want to look at just as we begin today. The first one is in Romans chapter 8. Verses 28 and 29. And it says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 
See, guys, I put that in there for one very simple reason. It starts off there, and in those first few, few words, it says we know that God causes everything to work together. In one other translation, it says, in all things God works. Now, whether it says in all things or it says everything like this, I want to let you know that includes your job. That includes what goes on at your work. He's saying that God is going to work in everything that goes on in your life, including what goes on on the job. So we can't separate our faith, or we should not separate our faith from what we do at work. The second passage, guys, is here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, So accept sufferings like a father's discipline. God does these things to you like a father correcting his children. You know that all children are disciplined by their fathers. Guys, I put that in there because he says, accept sufferings like a father's discipline. Another translation says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. How many of you find work to be difficult? I'm sure, I'm sure some of you at times have considered it a hardship, and some of you have even considered it suffering. Okay? Which honestly, guys, the word suffering is, it just means hardship. Okay? We, we tend to, suffering means we don't deserve this. That's what, that's what I think of when I think of suffering. It's something that we don't deserve. It's just difficult. You know, I've told, I've told people many times, I said, I don't mind working hard. I just don't want to sweat. Sweating for me is a hardship. It's suffering. <laughs> but guys, my point in looking at this and bringing this verse up is very simple. Work is a hardship. How many of you think about that when you're on the job, God is fathering you there? You see, I've had the pri- I have the privilege still of both of my sons working for me. My daughter has too, but on a much less frequent basis. My boys have worked for me regularly, steadily, over the last several years. And I I get the opportunity, and I believe it's God giving me an opportunity back because I was negligent when they were younger. I was not as involved, I was not as proactive in being the father that I believe I should have been. And God's given me opportunity back for them to work with me, and I I, I train them. And guys, I'm not training them to get a specific task done. There's a, uh, as most of you know, we own a small auto glass company and we own three car washes. The car wash we last bought, uh, my son Jordan has worked at since we bought it and we were remodeling it. And about two years ago, we we had just bought it and there was a section of the conveyor that needed to be cut out with an angle grinder. And Jordan's used the angle grinder before. And so I put the angle grinder in his hand and a stack of blades for it. And the reason he gets a stack of blades is because he's going to wear these out, cutting this out. It is a big job. It ends up taking him eight hours to cut out about a 12-foot section of this conveyor. And I, know, I knew before it started what was going to happen. Jordan's going to get mad. Jordan's going to get frustrated. This is not going to go as quickly as Jordan wants it to. He's going to get mad when yet another blade breaks. And so my job is to stand there and to make sure he stays on the task. When to give him a break. But make sure he finishes it. 
because I know he's going to want to quit. He's going to want to go on to somebody else and let somebody else do this. And he finished it after eight hours. About two months later, there's another section of conveyor that needs cut. Guess who I want to do it? Guess how long it takes him? Two hours. Two hours. No complaining. No whining. He's applied what he's learned. You see, guys, as a father, that's what I do with my boys when they're working for me. Do you know God's doing that for you right now? Now the question is, do you see it? Number one. And number two, are you working with Him or against it? I mean, you know, my, Jordan's young enough that he, he's not going to quit on me. He likes to eat. He's not going to quit. He likes, having, he likes being paid money. But you see, some of us, we may not quit our job, but we quit learning. And so guys, today what we want to talk about is how do we be schooled, how can we be schooled by God at work? And the first thing I want to talk about is that you need to see your goal clearly. Okay, if you're going to be able to work with God while He's schooling you, you need to know what He's trying to do. I think that is significant. Years ago, uh, Chris Weiler read a book. I didn't need to read it because Chris read it and told me about it. It was entitled, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You remember this? You remember what you told me about it? You don't. Okay. It was more significant to me than it was to you. <laughs> he remembers more of the book. But one thing about the book, I don't know if it was a chapter entitled this. I don't know if it was just a point the guy made. But he says, if you're going to get ahead financially in this world, you need to quit working for money. That sounds counterproductive, doesn't it? No, what he's saying is you need to quit making, you need, making money and how much money you make doesn't, should not be your goal. Okay? What does that mean? Well, it means that if you're doing a job where you're gaining experience, where you can go to another job and get paid more money, guess what? Don't complain about the money. If you're learning something, you're learning a skill. Not just experience doing something you may already know how to do, but a new skill. You're taking something that you can take forward and will benefit you, will profit you in the future. I've told people, you know, I've been in business for myself for 23 years now, I believe, and I learned a lot that I apply in my own business. I learned a lot during the 10 months that I worked delivering paint for MAB Paints out of Alton. And that may sound weird, but I watched the salesman. I watched what he did. I worked with him. I learned customer service. I learned about selling at different levels. When you have a high-volume customer, you, want to, you can sell it to them cheaper because of the volume. I learned about these things. I, learned some, I tell people, I said, I learned... Uh, one of the things is, while I was a delivery driver at MAB Paints, I sold a ladder by honking the horn of the truck. No, it's the truth of the matter. They, we had a customer over, and I delivered some paint over in Glen Carbon. They were painting a house. And it was a customer that didn't usually buy paint from us. They bought it from someone else, but, the, but the, their customer wanted MAB paints, so I had to deliver it over there. Uh, and even though he was in the database as a customer, he didn't buy much. And so whenever I'd go by, I'd honk the horn. 
Let him know, hey, we're still in the area. If you need anything, give us a call. Two weeks later, he calls up and tells the salesman, hey, I need a ladder. And the, guy, the salesman says, okay, where's, where do you want it delivered to? Oh, your guy knows. He honks every time he goes by. You know, it was a way of letting the customer know, hey, we know you, we care, we're staying connected with you. Do you think I can apply that to selling glass? You bet. You bet. I had learned that what? i got to work for something besides money. You've got to learn something. Well, what's that got to do with this? What's God's goal for me if it's not making money? Your goal, God's goal for you is that you become like Jesus. Here in verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we just read this whole passage, but I just put this section in. He says, He chose them to become like His Son. Now, if you've spent any time at all trying to follow Jesus, you know, or at least you've heard, that you're supposed to become like Jesus. But I'm guessing that don't come natural for most of us. You know, you've seen a... I was a... Most of you know our daughter uh, started college last week. And uh, she's only 40 minutes away from us. And, uh, but I've been doing something daily. I text her a picture of our dog, of our beagle, Hecker. And if any of you have seen Hecker, Hecker's a beautiful dog, okay? His behavior's not as good. I must confess. But he takes some adorable pictures, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Okay? Look at Jesse's, Jesse's Facebook, her background. She just changed it, and it's one of our dogs. And that's what our dog does. He lays there just as cute as can be, wrinkles on his forehead. I got one the other day laying down like this with his forehead all wrinkled up with his ball in front of him like, won't nobody play with me. Oh, he's cute. He got up with me one morning. He laid on the bed that's in my office, put his head on the pillow, and I took a picture of that, and I decided that wasn't cute enough, so I covered him up, you know. And he looks up for the picture. So he's laying there all covered up and looks up. Oh, just adorable. That's what beagles do, isn't it? Beagles are supposed to be cute, adorable dogs. They should be on a Geico commercial. If you're a beagle, you look cute and adorable. Can I tell you, being like Jesus doesn't come natural like that for me. I've adopted a saying that says, it's what I do. And it's reminding me that I, when I'm doing something, I want to be like Jesus. And when somebody says something about it, I go, it's what I do. Because I'm trying to remind myself, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Guys, becoming like Jesus isn't, doesn't come natural for us. Why do I say that? Because there's some aspects of Jesus' life on here, life here on earth that I do not want to imitate. Is that fair to say? You know, Jesus didn't have a pleasant life here on earth. In fact, guys, if you look, listen to this passage here, let me, let, me, let me just lay this out here for you. Here's, here's some, some characteristics of what Jesus experienced here on earth uh, that, aren't, that may not be in your everyday thinking. One is, he's described as a suffering servant. Okay? He, is, he was misunderstood by those closest to him. The men that he spent the most time with, the men that he spent the most time training, did not understand what he was talking about most of the time. And in fact, even for us, he would go, why are you guys so slow to learn? He was misunderstood. He was persecuted. He was submissive. 
He gave up his rights. You see, guys, those aren't characteristics that you look at and want to embrace, are they? Let's go find a new way to suffer today. But guys, listen to these passages here. The first one's in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the One who could save Him from death. And He was heard because of His reverent submission. Son though He was, He learned obedience from what He suffered. And once made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey Him. Guys, when you look at Jesus, that's, those aren't the things that we want to embrace. We don't look and go, yeah, I want to suffer. But guys, that is exactly what God tells us to expect. If you are going to be like Jesus, guess what? Suffering should be a part of your life. Unless you think you're more special than Jesus. You see, in the Bible, it doesn't say a whole lot about the employee-employer relationship. Do you know that? It, doesn't, it didn't exist the same way that we have it today on large scale. But what applies more accurately, it was the master-slave relationship. Now, some of you think that's what you're in, right? At work. You're a slave and they're the master. Well, you're in luck. God talks about this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, this is what it has to say. It says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. It is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But... If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. Guys, let me, let me, let me just make that a little plainer for you, okay? What he's saying here is if you are on the job, okay, like a slave, and you are mistreated, you are punished. You are written up. And you've done nothing wrong. What should your response be? Your response should be to work hard for your employer. How many of that was your first reply? <laughs> that's not my first reply either. Guys, but that's the way God says it should be. Why? Because His goal isn't for you to be accepted by people. His goal isn't for you to be treated well. His goal isn't for you to get the promotion that you deserve. His goal is for you to become like Jesus. That's it. Now, I don't know about you, but i, I got a little bit of a problem with that. I don't like that. I want to do the right thing and be treated fairly for it. Now, I don't know how this will play out for you on your job. 
And we're going to get to some more specifics on that. But I guess if you want to know how you can be schooled at work, you've got to have the same goal in mind for yourself that God does for you. And that's that you will become like Jesus. And it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you potentially a reputation. It's going to cost you all kinds of things because this is totally contrary to what society teaches us, isn't it? One of the things, and I, just for the sake of time, I'm not getting into the, into the passage, but if you go look at, if you go look at Philippians chapter 2 on your own, okay? You go look at that on your own. You write in your notes, go look at it on your own. And what it says is, Jesus gave up his right to be God. He was willing to give up his rights for me, for you. Now, if I'm going to be like Jesus, what do I need to do? I need to be willing to give up my rights. That's anti-American. America teaches you, you have rights. Claim them. You have rights. Stand up for them. You have rights. Grab a hold of them. And one of the beautiful things about this is how it plays out for you is a very individualized thing. And we'll get a little bit into that in just a minute. But guys, I want to know, you've got to be willing to do that. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's our goal. Second thing you need to do if you're going to be schooled by God is you need to include God in the process. You need to invite Him into it. It's very foolish for me to try to figure out what kind of husband my wife wants to be me to be and never ask her what kind of husband she wants me to be. Now you have God who is trying to train you to be like His Son. And it's foolish if we don't include Him in that process. There's a video that I've been sharing this week. It's a... Uh, uh, I shared it with Tom, Tom Tarantino and a number of the others. I saw it on Facebook again. And uh, what it is, it's a guy playing a little, uh, what's the thing? Ukulele in a, in a coffee shop in, in, in Maui, in Hawaii. And he's singing this song called One Day. And as the camera pans out, there's this tall, goofy-looking dude. I mean, literally, the shirt half undone, looks like a flannel shirt, shorts, and looks like woman's sandals on. Very colorful. Looks like they got flowers on them. I couldn't see them real well. And the dude starts singing along with this kid. Now, what the kid doesn't know is this is the guy that wrote and performs the song. I mean, it's great. It, Mat- Matasayu, I believe is it. Matasayu, whatever. I think it goes by Matis, so... And he introduces himself to the kid. He's talking to the kid, and the kid goes, Hey, you harmonized pretty good. And he's like, Yeah. And he goes, Hey, you know who wrote that song? And he says, Yeah, Mattis wrote that song. He goes, Yeah, that's me. And the kid goes, What? He goes, I'm Matasayu. He goes, No, you're not. And to be honest with you, the the, uh, singer had changed his appearance dramatically from the way he used to perform. But can you imagine doing a song like that, and all of a sudden the creator of that song is there. And he's, he's speaking to you. Guys, I want to let you know, God's involved with you at work. 
Do you recognize Him? That's the question. Do you recognize Him? Guys, in James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You want to know how you're supposed to act like Jesus, how you're supposed to become like Jesus on the job? You ask God to tell you. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And guys, I want to, I encourage you to focus on three words there. Highlight them, circle them, whatever you want. But words, he says, you must believe. You must believe. You see, guys, because this is where the rubber meets the road. I've been talking about how God's trying to train you, how God's involved in schooling you at work, he, how He's trying to get you to become like Jesus. And if you don't believe it, you probably won't include Him in the process. You probably won't do that. And so guys, it's a gut check to say, do I really believe that the God of the universe has His hand trying to shape me into the likeness of His Son on the job? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to promise you that if you pray that prayer for Him to show you, He will reveal Himself to you. The question is, will you respond to it? You see, guys, most of us approach God. When we approach, when we approach difficult times at work, we approach them in one of two ways. You tell me if this isn't normal for us. One is, get me out of it. Make it stop. That's the first one. Help. The second way is, just let me endure it. Just let me endure it. But you see, guys, God wants more than you just to endure it. You see, because back in that first passage we looked at, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7, it says, endure it as discipline, as training. Now, I find it's a whole lot easier if I can see what God's doing. If I can see what He's got going on. And I also find it a whole lot easier for me to see what He has going on if I ask Him to show me what's going on. Third thing, guys, you need to do if you're going to be schooled at work is you need to recognize and acknowledge ungodliness. <clears throat> let, me, let me clarify that. Let me clarify that. I'm not talking about in your other coworkers, okay? I, I don't think you have a problem. I don't think I need to tell you that, do I? You guys already do recognize it and acknowledge it in your other coworkers, don't you? Don't we? See, I'm going to step out on a limb here. I'm just going to take a flying guess that there's nobody in this room who is completely like Jesus right now. I'm just guessing. 
And so, based on that assumption of, assumption of mine, that means that there are some areas of your life that are ungodly. Is that fair? That is fair. I'm also going to take another flying leap and say that you're not real eager to recognize those areas. I'm saying that because I'm human and that's the way I am, okay? I'm basing that upon me and experience with other people. We're not eager to admit, yeah, I'm doing that wrong. Yeah, I'm guilty of being selfish. Yeah, I'm dishonest. Yeah, I'm lazy. Yeah, I care more about myself than I do you. We're not eager to say those things, are we? I just want to, want to open it up there, but I want to tell you guys, if you're going to be schooled by God, you've got to be willing to confess. And all confess means is you're going to agree with God. And what you're going to do is He's going to show you, if you're going to be schooled by God, He's going to show you, you're wrong over here. And if you're going to learn, you're going to have to say, that's right. And you're going to have to acknowledge it. Look at this passage here in James chapter 3. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. What's he, all he's saying there, guys, is we need to acknowledge what's going on. You see, here's the situation. There's a, uh, uh, I don't have the passage up here again. You know, write it down and go look to it, look at, to your, look at it yourself. It's in Psalms 139. It's the last two verses of that chapter. And what the psalmist says, and I'm going to paraphrase it, he says, God, will you show me anything in my life that's not the way you want it? And I want to tell you, that if you pray that prayer, God will answer that prayer. He will show you. The question is, will you acknowledge it? Will you agree with Him? You see, guys, because until you acknowledge it, what happens? You don't change it. Okay? Um, fourth thing. Fourth thing is you need to start taking specific actions. Start taking specific actions. In James 1 it says that, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the Word planted in you which can save you. 
Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I bet work would be a lot better place if everybody would simply do the second one and be slow to speak. Don't you think? But he's not talking to everybody at work. He's talking to me. And guys, all I'm saying is there are some specifics. When God shows you what you're doing wrong, He is going to show you specifics that you need to start doing. You know, I want to be like Jesus, but I, I tell you what, and I've been saying this for a number of years, and I continue to grow in it, and I continue to get opportunities to be like Jesus, and they challenge me where I don't want to be challenged. You know, I don't mind sacrificing as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Is that right? There's no risk. I don't mind picking up a hitchhiker that's in need when it's 10 degrees out, as long as I know he doesn't have a gun. I don't know that when I pick up a hitchhiker. I believe God wants me to be like Jesus. That's on the job for me, by the way, because I do a lot of driving. Last weekend, I'm uh, mysteriously at our car wash in Collinsville, cleaning up. I say mysteriously because I didn't plan on being there. I planned on doing other things that morning, and I realized nobody was going down there to clean up, so I went down there to clean up. And in the process of cleaning up, I find a phone. And it's got one of them cases where it's got basically it's a phone and a wallet together with credit and debit cards and driver's license. And the phone's locked. You know, how do you, what, are you, what are you going to do with this? You know, you're going to give it to the police. How do you notify the woman who owns it? I don't know. I go on Facebook. Well, she probably won't check Facebook without her phone. I don't know how to do it. The woman's from East St. Louis. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear East St. Louis can be a dangerous place. Those Saturday mornings, probably not the most high crime rate time down there. But guys, I have a decision to make. Take 15, you know, try to figure out how to deal with this. Or get this phone back to this woman as quickly as I can. See, I have her address because it's on her driver's license. And so I take it down to her. I did send my wife the address in case something, in case I disappeared, she'd know where to start. Okay? Guys, what's the point of that? I believe I was being like Jesus. And I, I didn't even get to meet the woman. I didn't get to share Jesus with her. But why? I got to be Jesus for me. Because it was inconvenient. Because it was taking a risk. And those are things that what? I, I don't like to do. I would rather not take that risk. I would rather not be inconvenienced. See guys, if you're serious about being schooled by Jesus at work, He's going to show you specifics that you can do. And let me just tell you, I'm hoping, I don't know for a fact, again, I'm hoping... That there's some of you in this room are thinking of specifics right now you can do at work. That you can think of, that you can see to do. There's a person you need to treat better. There's a person you need to apologize to. There's a person you need to quit being offended by what they say. You need to work harder when the boss treats you crappy. And not in hopes of him keeping or treating you better. Guys, you need to identify specific actions and take it. Fifth thing, guys, is that you need to persevere. You need to persevere. It says, let perseverance finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, guys, I have a uh, one of my many flaws, one of my many wrong thoughts about God and about following Jesus is that I think, this is just the way I feel about it, okay? If God shows me something that I need to change, that I need to do differently, and He shows me specifics on how to do it, you know, Gary, you're being selfish over here, and this is how you quit being selfish over here. And so I do it. I don't think I should have to learn that lesson again. I don't think I should have to do it again. I have already done it. I've already proven my willingness to give up my selfishness and to help somebody else or to serve somebody else. But that doesn't seem to be the way it works. You see, guys, character is changed little by little over time. You are not going to become like Jesus through one monumental act. It won't happen. You will become like Jesus a little by little each day. Again and again and again. You know, guys, I had the audacity one time in my prayer life. I was going through some difficulty. And I just thought I'd been through enough difficulty. And I told God, I really said this. I said, God, I think I've persevered long enough. He, he disagreed. He disagreed. Guys, perseverance is part of the territory. And you will be expected to do it. Especially if you have a job and you have a family and your family likes to eat. You may have to put up with the same crap for years at work. And be like Jesus for years at work. And I guarantee you, you will continue to be like Jesus in other areas as well. But you're going to have to persevere. Guys, I don't know where you're at right here today. I don't know what's, what's going on. I hope, I pray, that you can see something specific. I hope that you look at that and you go, being like Jesus hasn't been my goal. And you can start taking, being, becoming like Jesus very seriously, and especially at work. Maybe you look and you say, well, I try to be like Jesus, but I don't include God. I complain about work, but rarely do I say, God, how can you make me different at work? instead of changing the circumstances that were. Maybe you've done these, and you, but you've refused to... You're not one that... You say, I don't like acknowledging my ungodliness. Guys, one of the things I value about Tim Gill is that he stands up here on a regular basis and tells you the things he's done wrong and confesses attitudes that are wrong. I love that about him. When he started this series, he talked about leaving his job as a tool and die guy, and he was so fed up with it, he spit on the wall. And then he, and then he was a, a, a youth minister, and he left that church, and he spit on the wall. And guys, the humility it took for him to acknowledge that. And he does that time and time again. Because maybe you look and you go, I can't do that. Yeah, you can, but you've got to start. Guys, I hope there's one of these areas that you look at and you say, I need to give attention to. Guys, right now as we close out, we're going to take communion. And if the worship team wants to come on back up, you guys can come on back up. 
You see, we've been talking about being like Jesus, and that's really the central, the central point. If there's anything else you take away from today, it's that if you're serious about following Jesus, if you've claimed, if you've made a decision that you want to follow Jesus, that you're examining, am I really wanting to be like Him? You see, guys, right now we are remembering Jesus' death when we take communion. And guys, that is the pinnacle of His suffering. There is no greater act of of suffering and, and of selflessness than when Jesus died on the cross. And that's what He did for all of us. And I think it's appropriate as we close out this service and talk about being like Jesus, that we remember that we're called to be like Him and this is what He did. He was willing to give up being like God. He was willing to give up what we would consider a normal life. He was willing to endure ridicule, being misunderstood, lonely, persecution, and finally death. And because of that, We have the opportunity to be right with God. Let's remember that as we close out today, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank You for just what You've done. Father, it is amazing when I sit back and watch and sit back and look at where I've come from and what You've done in my life. Father, You should have wrote me off a long time ago. By my standards, You should have wrote me off a long time ago. I was very slow to learn. But Father, that slow to learn just makes me amazed at Your patience and Your love for me. Father, I didn't understand, and that's why I resisted for so long really being like Jesus. Father, I just want to pray right now You can open our eyes to what Jesus has done. And Father, You can touch our hearts to want to be like Him on the job and in every other area of our lives. Thank you for what he's done. It's in his name we pray. Amen.